Okay, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody is well. Happy Monday. Now the week begins and an opportunity to push ourselves to be more. A lot going on in the world, a lot going on in our lives. Summer seems to be like a half summer, no? The, the carefree, reckless abandon is muted a little bit, but that's good. It keeps us focused. It keeps us recognizing the, the realness of life. We've been talking a lot here about our speech. Speech is a really big deal. It's such a big deal that in many ways it is the difference maker between those that accomplish and those that don't. Because if you think about all the things that we have in this world, a lot of people know about many of it or most of it. The one thing that I think, maybe it's more than one thing, but like one of the key things that we seem to get wrong, I think society in general, is this idea of speech. Our perspective is so focused on the physical that we allow speech to sort of go underneath a little bit. And we're seeing a change a little bit. I just saw recently, I was, I was, um, I forgot which sports organization. There's a sports organization where there was one of the top guys, top bosses is now being sued by like 15 women. And I just, I saw a, 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 a quote by one of the women that said that every time that, that she was basically verbally abused and it's starting to come up. The, oh, the Redskins. Of course, Andy knows. Why wouldn't Andy know? In 0.1 seconds. And, oh, cause also cause you're Maryland. That's why. And you're Andy. But the idea that sticks and stones, but words can hurt me, the law has always, but the law now is adapting to it. Because now that science is advancing, we are beginning to see the impact of what just someone's words can do to somebody else. We have, in, in, in Jewish thought and philosophy, this is nothing new. There's a concept that says that if you embarrass somebody, it's as if like you're killing them. The words that we use is a big deal. And what we spoke about yesterday is this idea that we've got words being said to ourselves. Like there are words that we say to ourselves. And it is those words that in many ways do the worst damage to us. Now, when somebody says to you growing up, if you're very impressionable or even older, something more than once or twice, or once in an area that is ma- that is memorable, right? If you just look at the science of it that we've been speaking about, right? If you have an experience, that experience has an impression on your brain. There's like, for example, you've got PTSD, which is an experience that will have a major impression on your brain. Science has shown the other side. I think it's Marty Seligman who did the research on peak experiences that will have a lasting impression on your mind. So whenever you're experiencing a peak of any sort, that peak stays. It doesn't need the same level of repetition because it's got all the other qualities to it. So it could be that once something happened, once this thing happened and you heard someone say something, maybe not even to you, to somebody else, but you said to yourself, I never want that to be me. And then it almost as if like those words can be replaying in your mind. That's why watching things that are negative is is not great. A lot of the, the information that we consume is killing us. 
we think it is totally like okay to check certain news but what we'll find is that by hearing the rhetoric again and again and again we begin to form a perception on the world and a perception on people where's it coming from it's coming from the things that we're in, we're digesting it's so critical that we recognize this, that the most powerful thing that we have is our brains. And if we're not going to be super careful with what comes in, we're, it's going to end up hurting us. That friend of yours that is just like constantly spewing negativity, this, this, this source of negativity that is in our lives, always an issue, always a problem, there's always something wrong. That person starts to create these neural connections in our minds that maybe we don't realize where we're directing it to. It could be that that person is always fetching about their life and their life and their parents and their in-laws and their kids and fetching. And you listen to it because they're a friend and like that's how they communicate. And then one day you wake up in the morning and you don't even think, you, you don't even know where it comes from, but there's this like negativity. You know, there are people like this. Everything's negative. Everything is like what they can't do. Everything is a fetch. It's always like, oh, and every, it's like unbelievable. You go to like a party or a wedding and it's like, and then they're around you. And then like you start finding that like the voice plays in your mind. You have to be so careful not to be Pollyannish, not to not engage in reality. Not to, not to not hear someone else's perspective. That is how we get stronger. It's more than that. It's to, be, to discern what comes into our minds on a consistent basis. Negative speech is... Yeah, very good. That's right, Leon. The negative speak, speech actually... This is Leon just said it. He was like, Leon, Leon are you in my brain? You were literally saying the words coming out of my mouth. The negative speech solidifies our negativity, right? Because remember, speech, and we did this with RAS, right? When you write things down, your brain goes, hey, this is important. When you speak things out, you can override your system, right? You're saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. The Navy SEALs are saying, you can, you can, you can. Why is that? Because your brain can't focus on two things at once. And if, you, if you're saying something, you can now force your brain to be thinking what you have to say. How else are you going to say it if your brain doesn't say, oh my gosh, we got to get the words together. When you're going to say, I can, your brain's like, hello, we got to get words. Let's go, let's go, let's go, get the words. I can. Now, if you say I can enough times, your brain doesn't have the, the time to get, I can't. That's why if you remember the story of me walking across uh, Tony Robbins' firewalk saying, cool, Moss. My brain can't be like, we're burning because it's too busy saying, cool, Moss. Now flip it. When we speak negatively, negatively against somebody else, we're just solidifying negative phrases and words that make us more, more negative person. So one of the things that we have to be really conscious of is that there's a script in our minds. And that script in our minds is conditioned in our minds. It wasn't there when we were born. It wasn't there when we were three. It wasn't. It wasn't there when we were starting school for the first day. It wasn't there when we were figuring out life. It wasn't there when we were younger. 
the scripts that we are playing in our minds of who we are not and who we are is a conditioning mechanism of this world. And just like we conditioned it to, to be on, we can condition it to take it off. It is hard. It doesn't happen overnight, but it is the same level of attention that we would give to shifting an action. When you reach your hand into the cabinet and you shift your action from reaching for the sweet to reaching for a cup of water or not going into the kitchen at all, it's the same level of work that goes into changing how I do things to changing how I say things and how I think things. And there's two ways to deal with this. And I want to just mention one now and then put it to the future. And we'll talk about it when we have more time, which is the idea that you are not your thoughts. I just want to throw it out there because I don't want to talk about that today. I want you to just hear it because to, to, this is the well, I think my person is one of the hardest things to understand. So just to, we're going to have to like talk about it over time. You are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are your mental conditioning. Your thoughts are things that could be popping into your head from something that you heard. You, the essential you, is not your habits and it's not your thoughts. It doesn't mean you are absolved from things that you do. It does mean, though, that you can change it. You can change your thoughts. But along the way, when a thought pops into your head, it doesn't mean that's me. I know everyone's ever prayed before, but when, for when I pray, which I try to do consistently, I'm always thinking of other thoughts. It's incredible. I put on my tefillin. I put on my talis. I daven. I pray to God. And as I'm praying to God, I get some thought that like comes out. Of, I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Like, did, did you hear that? Like, because that was hard. Like, how did, how did that just come in? And at that moment, I can either be lost in that thought. I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I thought that, that I was past that, whatever. Or I can be like, that wasn't me. Not that this me. Understand that we are not our thoughts. But let's just reserve that for, for, for maybe tomorrow. What I want to talk today is talk to you today about is the power of what your thoughts are having on you. And that is the idea that beliefs that you have about yourself are actually shaping your reality. There's a scientist, a researcher, a doctor named Herbert Benson. Herbert Benson was at the forefront of this concept that your beliefs which really in many ways are manifested in your deliberate mental speech, right? I think that's what beliefs really, how beliefs take form. Your beliefs are actually shifting what you can and can't do. So here's the research that he did. It's unbelievable. This is an idea called the placebo effect. And a placebo effect is, you know, obviously documented science that you can give somebody at times, not every time, but there's a concept where you give somebody a, p a pill, a fake pill. It's a sugar pill. The, the, the patient thinks they're taking a real pill and the brain starts to act as if it's a real pill. And although the chemicals have not been released into the system that a pill would release, the brain engages in a healing process which then heals the person of the illness of which they're suffering. Again, it doesn't happen in every scenario, but the fact that it happens at all is a tremendous concept that when you believe something, you are interacting with yourself to do something you always had the ability to do. 
Your brain always had the ability to deliver those neurotransmitters to heal yourself of this illness, which means the only thing that was blocking it was your mind. So here's what he did. This is an amazing thing. He was a doctor. And he would have these women that would come to him that were, that were pregnant, that were complaining of more, more, uh, morning sickness. So for half of the group, he gave them an actual drug to deal with nausea. And for half of the group, he gave them a placebo. And what he found was that for a large part of the placebo group, the symptoms went away. How'd they go away? Like what? I don't understand. The woman that came in saying that she was nauseous, she wanted to be nauseous? She was trying to be nauseous? <laughs> she took a little bit of sugar in the form of a pill from a doctor, and all of a sudden her body can handle the nausea? Why couldn't the body deal with the nausea before she took the fake pill? And the answer is, is that because your beliefs of what you're doing, of what's possible to happen, is shaping your mind to act in a way that it wouldn't have acted but for your beliefs. So here's what he did. He went further. He can. If I would do it, I'd probably go to jail. He does it and he wins like an award. I guess that's what happens if like you're a fancy doctor. For a lot of the women that came in, so... This group comes, new group, new group of women come in, complaining of morning sickness. He gives them Ipecac. What's Ipecac? Ipecac is a medicine that induces vomiting. So here you have a woman saying, I'm nauseous. He says, here's a pill that will reduce your vomiting. And it's actually a pill that will chemically increase their vomiting. And what he found was that in a majority, uh, in, a, in a large portion of those patients, their vomiting reduced. Now, how is that possible? The, the, now the brain is going against the chemicals. How could that possibly be? So he said something so brilliant. I want to read this to you. Here's what he says. He says, one of the most powerful aspects of healing is the placebo effect. This is Herbert Benson. Look at the components of, of that. Make, look at the components that make up the placebo effect. First is the belief on the part of the patient. Second is belief on the part of the healer or practitioner. The third component is the relationship between the two, a belief that comes from a solid relationship. What the placebo effect really is, is remembered wellness. Listen to this. Your thoughts can have enormous power. You can actually be chased by someone or dream of being chased, and the reaction will be the same because it's a reality in your brain. We can take advantage of that, and by appropriately believing in what, we can, what can be healed, we can remember those patterns in our brains and turn, to on, turn on remembered wellness. You see how this works? What he's saying is your brain knows how to heal itself. Remembered wellness. There, it's not in every scenario. There's enough scenarios in life that can change our lives by recognizing that our brain has what's re called remembered wellness, which means there are patterns in our brain that are already formed or that are ready to be formed that can on its own heal us of things, strengthen us, make us more resilient, make us more alert, 
re reverse actual chemicals in our bodies? What is preventing our bodies from doing it? The reason that's stopping us is because we don't remember it. Because there's a script that got in the way that says, oh my gosh, I'm sick. Oh my God, oh my God, I'm sick. I'm sick, I can't stop throwing up, I can't. Oh, it's because I have morning sickness, I'm supposed to vomit. All that stuff. It's like when we, I remember when my wife first got, before we first, when we, had, when we got pregnant with our first child, like we bought all these books and things like that. And I was like, I was like, stop, just stop. That's why so many people are struggling. I can't even tell you how many people are like going online and like, holy mackerel. And like self-diagnosing themselves and like so much, it's so much. Dr. WhatsApp has caused so much pain because somebody hears something that they saw somewhere and they WhatsApp it because they're doing a public service to people. Forward it to 20 people or you'll never live this down. And the commercial's like, oh, I guess I have to. And they forward it around the whole world and all these well-intentioned people are like, if you feel like your left ear hurts in the morning, it may be the virus. And everyone's like, I think my left ear hurts. I, no, no. And like, you know, people are like going out of their minds. I'm not saying if you don't feel, well, go to the doctor. I'm saying recognize that so much of this is the script. It's the script of I can't. It's the script of it's not going to work. How much divorce is in this world and broken homes. Not because the, the couple didn't belong together. If that's the case, fine. It's because the script of if this happened at this point, it must mean that we can't. If he's not at this level, at this age, in this school, we have to have a meeting and drug him up because if he's not here at this level in his development, he's never going to develop. I'm not, and I, please don't take me that I'm saying that, doctor, it's all good. You, you get what I'm saying. It's a script that we tell ourselves of who I'm not and who my, what, what's not possible for me. And, the, and you, when you look at people's lives. It's it's the script. I was on the phone yesterday with the CEO. Spent a lot of time in my, thankfully, I hope it always is with CEOs. That's what I do. And his company had a major issue. They had bought something and, and now it was stuck in the where whatever. It was complicated. And he was going to lose a lot of money and he's sitting at his his house and he's just putting the pieces together and going, wait, if we do this and then we do that. And he sees the whole thing. And he calls his top executive and he's like, now we're at work. He's like, why well, won't it work? He's like, nah, because he, and it's like, it was hard. Get to like make a phone call to a big company. All right, hour. And he was so frustrated. And I was saying to him, like, the reason why you're the CEO of the company is because you don't see barriers. You don't, you, when you face a challenge, your thought is, I'm going to get over this. That's the script in your head. And he's like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't I think that? I'm like, no, I know that feels normal to you. I said, it's not like that for a lot of people. There are a lot of people when they hit a challenge, they're thinking like, I can't believe I hit this challenge. Like now it's going to be terrible. And he couldn't even hear it because his script is, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we win? The difference is not capacity. The difference is the script. What do I tell myself when I hit a challenge? We're going to do it. I'm okay. No, go to a doctor. But like, my, my body's going to heal. My marriage is going to be great. My kids are going to work out. It's going to be great. I, I have the strength for this. I could do this. I don't feel it. Guess what? I don't feel like I want to not eat the ice cream. 
It's called learned behaviors. It's called neuroplasticity. But I've been doing this my whole life. Okay. Wonderful. Thank God we have a brain that actually changes or else we'd be stuck because we'd have to put everything into place by the time we're 16 and we'd have to live on the brain for the next 100 years. It's hard work. It's the work of greatness. Let me end with this idea and then I want to start taking the Q&A. We're going we're gonna to break for 10 seconds and then we're going to start the Q&A program in a minute. Let me end with this one thing. I remember this when I was younger and then I started showing my kids. When I was younger, I used to watch a lot of sports. I don't watch a lot of live sports anymore, so I have to watch, like, behind the scenes when I jog. But every once in a while, we'll go somewhere, watch a game or whatever. It's always struck me when I was a kid. I want to share it with you. Invariably, when you watch a football game, one team scores with very little time left, right? And there's, like, 47 seconds left on the clock. There's a minute and a half left on the clock. And the other team gets the ball, and it's very hard. And if you ever watch a game, if that ever happens to you, just watch. They will always, the cameras will always go to the quarterback on the sideline. So they go to the quarterback on the sideline, right? Because he's warming up because he's about to take the field to mount a comeback. You can tell who has a chance by not their ability to throw. You can tell by their face. There are some quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers is one of them, who really believe, just give me the ball. 40 seconds, 7 seconds, plenty. And you can see as he's warming up on the sides, he's got almost like a half smirk. And there's some quarterbacks, you can look at him and they are just like, oh my gosh, 50,000 people are going to lose. And they always lose. This is hard, which is why we're doing it slow. And all we got to do today is be mindful of it. Just start the process of being mindful of it. And we're going to start with God's help together to gain control of this. Okay. Let's break here on the Daily Boost. Thanks so much for those who have to go start their day. God bless you. Start your day. Thank you. And with God's help, I look forward to, uh, to seeing you again tomorrow.